Welcome to the Live Life Out Loud Conversations. I'm your host, Nicole Long, owner and founder of Coaching for Life LLC and Coaching for Life Books. This is the podcast for all my multi-passionate creators and dreamers who are ready to tell their story and monetize their passions. We'll cover topics from A to Z in this podcast, all to help you, my multi-passionate friend, personify faith in action and really live your biggest dreams out loud. Let's do this. I have the best job, guys. I am so excited to introduce to you today, Miss Amber. She is a co-author of Business by Design, a book that Coaching for Life Books has reached recently published. And we are so excited that it is going live today. So by the time you listen to this podcast, you will be able to go online and get it at a phenomenal still business by design. You got to check it out and listen to today's podcast and you'll see why. We're going to jump in. I appreciate you doing this interview. I think it's going to be really insightful to hear what you have to say, why you do what you do, why you decided to join our writing program. So it's going to jump in. First things first, what is your name? Um, what do you do? What's your passion? All right. So my name is Amber. Um, I do things. <laughs> so I mean, this transition right now, which is actually really exciting. So um, I'm just coming out of uh, if this business where we offered inspiration, hope, and encouragement um, through laser engraving on products that people could take into every space of everyday life. Um, and it was just kind of a crazy journey. That was like my second introduction to business. We were doing construction before that. Um, and so this whole thing that we're in the middle of like this whole COVID mess, um, God really solidified that um, my purpose is to continue to offer encouragement and hope um, that people can take into every every everyday spaces, everyday life. Um, but that we don't need a product to do that. That um, that's actually people. People do that. And so he's calling me right now to really end the timing because I have intentions of writing a book um, or helping write a book. And at the tail end of just the season of fasting, you called me. You sent me a message and you were like, I'm doing this thing and I want you to do it with me. And I was like, huh? Okay. Having a conversation with my husband, like, what does this look like? What if I were to take my ministry and my work and put them together I'm doing all along, but like on purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And so I came out of this season where God was like, you're going to say yes to some interesting things that you would have never said yes to before. And then you messaged me. And so I was like, uh, I can't actually say no. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. And it's so ironic because like, you know, even with us meeting from a church and the ministries and then moving and we got closer even when you moved, which is weird, but then just was like, okay, just kind of following you and supporting your business, always in prayer for your business, whether you knew it or not. But it's just like, these are, this is just a prime example of a woman living out her passion and really doing what God has called her to do. And then being able to also have the monetary part of it that includes business. 
but then also seeing you able to raise your kids and do kind of things free, do all, do things outside the box, I think is what automatically kind of just drew me to you, is that you just have that natural aura of, yes, this is me, yes, this is how I take it, this is how I live it, and so what. And so when did you, and I'm sure you kind of battle with that, but how did you begin to just live that out loud? Was that always you? Was you were you always that type of personality? How did you come strong into that, even from the outside looking in? Uh, she, she marches her own beat, and she's fine with it. Yeah, that's actually a really long process. <laughs> um, and that, um, honestly, probably the journey of that really, I think when I look at like the culmination of, of that really kind of came about um, around the time I had my second son. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is my out of the box kid. And mm-hmm. I, um, I consider myself actually a very in the box human. Like I like structure. I like um, bumper guards. I like schedules. I like routines. I like predictability. Um, and so when I had this, this kiddo, I literally was just that woman who was at the feet of Jesus. Cause I was like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I had this easy peasy first kid and the second one came and he rocked my world and I'm a holy hot mess and I need you. Um, and so kind of just came to this place of desperation and from this place of desperation, like Jesus just really started to work out this freedom in me and really started kind of calling me out on who I actually am, not, um, what I was allowing to really just, again, that place of desperation. And, and through that, it was crazy because I was in the middle of leading women and I was like, I am leading this team of like 25 women. And we have a ministry that reaches a minimum of of 80 women every other week. And I'm a train wreck. Like, and I'm not, and there's just this piece of like that fishbowl life. Like I have to have it together because otherwise I'm not a good leader. Mm. Or I have to look like I can manage this or handle this, or I'm not equipped for this or um, all those lies like that almost highlighted or brought um, even higher to, to, to new depths when we become moms, right? We question all the things. We're like, this is scary. This is hard. I thought I knew what I was doing and I was totally wrong. <laughs> right, right. That Through that kind of process of wrestling, like I, I just had no other choice. I was like, I can continue to live my life um, just kind of fighting all the time, like fighting stuff, fighting things, fighting people, fighting uh, you know, who God called me to, cause that's really what it comes down to is just this intense wrestling of who I was trying to be and who I actually was. Mm. And right. so when I finally got to like, from, you know, I talk about this in, in the chapter, like from this head knowledge of who I am, you know, scripture tells me like I was reading it. I was, I was yeah. at this point, I was chewing it up. Like, right. Right desperation. I had, I was like, there's nothing else that can help me. So I'm just going to blow through the Bible. I'm going to come to it every day. Like, this is what I got. I'm going to hang out with Jesus. Um, when I don't, I can't even tell you like when it happened, there's no magic, something that was like, all of a sudden one day God got a hold of my heart. Hmm. And, and now this, this truth that I knew in my mind had really translated to like my heart. And it was, so freeing. It was the most freeing experience that I've ever had. All of a sudden in, 
I don't know. I feel like I woke up one morning and I was like, this is who I am. And I'm not ashamed. The business story even started. Like I, I had unashamed stamped on bracelets on my necklace on uh, my journal it was like unashamed was everywhere. Like I'm not ashamed of, of who I am. I'm not ashamed of who Jesus is. I am not ashamed that I have um, a special needs kid. That's hard. I yeah. am not ashamed of, you know, how me and my husband run our home or our business. I'm not ashamed that I am in upper level leadership in the church and he's not there yet. Like I'm right. not, I'm not playing that game anymore. Like I just, mm-hmm. and I wanted women to know at this point, like that, where they were, their stories, um, what they were living out, like that's not what defines them. And how could I do that if I was allowing that in my own life? And so um, that was just, just miraculous freedom. And I, my, my second kiddo is hard and he keeps me on my knees, but man, because he keeps me on my knees, because God allowed me to experience something that just, I literally couldn't do by myself. He brought freedom in that desperation and it's incredible. That's awesome. That's that's great to for you to acknowledge it, realize it, and then sometimes that stuff will stop. <laughs> we acknowledge it, we realize it, and they're like, "Ooh, back away, back away!" But yeah. to really embrace it full fledged and go forward and let God bring you to it, but bring you also through it, I think is the added bonus. Of sometimes what we miss is that we don't allow us to go through, to fill all the fields, to feel unqualified, to do all these things, but then to be reframed and revamped and let God really mold us. It, it's not a pretty picture. It doesn't feel good, but it's necessary, right? And so the fact that you were able to realize, recognize it and go through the process and then to even realize that, okay, that was great. That was phase one. Uh-oh, here we are, phase four. Like It's always ever evolving. And I always tease my girls and they kind of really don't like what I say because of things of death, but I'm not done growing and evolving until I'm dead. And so there's always something and every day I can learn and I can grow. And they always tease me, but I'm like, I'm an avid learner. Anything I can get my hands on, I'm going to be learning. Um, if there wasn't a cap on financial aid, probably, <laughs> you know, ever evolving to bachelors and that, whatever it is, it's because I'm always, I'm like a sponge. I just want to soak it all up and see how I can apply it. And then also for you, where we kind of do is not only do I keep the good stuff, but I share the good stuff and it becomes greater as you share it and it becomes a domino effect. And so your business does just that you do just that just being yourself and then the ministry and then the future businesses that are to come so thinking about your business influences your friendships your family what would you say was the greatest aha moment of just kind of the essence of you and what you do when you realize that it's beyond you like what story comes to mind what situation that you're like oh this is bigger than yeah, I think um, when God called me to start um, speaking and sharing my story, mm-hmm. um, number one, it was petrifying. I was like, this isn't just about me, God. Like, this, my story is my story, but my story involves a lot of people. Come on, yeah. And, you know, I'm talking about hard things. You know, I'm talking about special needs. I'm talking about days where I was like, I don't like my kid. Like, how do you... 
how do you say that out loud and, and, you know, still have, still be honoring and still, and I, I never thought of myself, I never thought of myself as a public speaker, public figure, like writer, any of that stuff. Never. I was going to like be a social worker or I was going to be a substitute teacher. Like I didn't create, I didn't have, those are big dreams, but you know, that's just, I was just going to do the next thing that allowed me to continue to kind of be with my kids. And, um, and God really hit me one day and he was just like, other women need to know that there's hope and that there's freedom. And then it's found in me. And the story that I gave you, I didn't give you that freedom for yourself. That's not what it was about. I gave you that freedom because there's other people who need that freedom. Dad, like you totally don't need me. Like you could do that all by yourself. I I have nothing to offer. And as I literally said those words in the car, the Christian radio station comes on and they're talking about how God's most favorite tools are the ones who have zero, uh, like actual just ability or gifting or teaching or schooling to do the thing he's calling them to do. And I'm like, shoot, (laughs) again, I can't say no. Like seriously, I, I was just going to say no, like that's too big. That's too scary. That's too uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. And right. so I went to, I went to my husband and I was like, Hey babe, I went on a run. Okay. And this is where Jesus speaks to me most of the time, right? Like out, out running, which also doesn't make sense because I've had asthma and I shouldn't actually be able to run anywhere. So, you know, I like to just do hard things so God can show me that we could, we can actually do it. Um, it. and so I came home and I was like, I have to share this part of our story. Like I'm not really asking your permission I'm mostly asking you to pray about getting on board because (laughs) I already learned that disobedience is not uh, comfortable with Jesus he's going to get me to do it somewhere so I got up there and you know the first couple times I'm not gonna lie like it was a train wreck I am not (laughs) you know taught in speaking I don't have at this point I have zero experience other than like doing announcements on right you know, first for these women's events. And he's like, yeah, so we're just going to go in heavy. Like we're not even going to do a 15 minute devotion. You're just going to do your first, like, here's the big thing. Um, and it was crazy because if I'm a hundred percent honest, like, I don't remember half of that day. I don't remember what I said. I don't remember how it went. Like, think you know, wasn't recorded because I didn't want to be recorded because I was scared and I was embarrassed and all the things. And the res- the residual output from that, like this was 10 years ago, uh-huh. um, really eight years ago is like when I finally got to this place of, of telling this bigger story. And um, I saw people messaging me today, eight years later on what that meant to them or how it met them where they were at or um, how they remember that moment and they're still carrying pieces of that with them. And that's where I was like, okay, God, like that is, that, that is not me. That has to be you because they, I, there's nothing in my, my background my story where that makes sense. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. So little Amber, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, what was she into? What were you doing? Oh my gosh, little Amber, I think was a little bit of a firecracker. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) 
so a lot of that um toughness in that second kid like do you ever have those moments as a mom and you're like shoot they 100 percent got that for me um so i'm like this at at that age i'm just this weird dichotomy of like wanting to be a good girl right so but also um still very much so a, a, a little bit of a firecracker like no this is what i want this is how i want it and this is this is how i'm gonna do it right. <laughs> um so there's definitely that um kindergarten amber you know i i don't have a background i didn't grow up in the faith uh, i didn't meet jesus till i was 20 21 years old and so then I think that kind of like you mentioned, that kind of that firecrackingness that kind of made your foundation and your tenacity to withstand. You're like, this is nothing and I want to do it. So just kind of go forward in it. So kind of speaking of forward, what was your first experience in failing for it? What was your first failure that got you to the next level? Oh man, the first one. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm a firm believer that for every face plant, it's taking you to the next place. So, um, and I'm kind of, I'm like that, okay, I, I see where we need to go and I'm willing to try things and mess it up to get there. Like, let's just, let's just go. So I like a plan, but I don't need like this elaborate, like this is the perfect way to get there. Like, we just kind of make a mess as we go. And so... Um, dang, my first big failure, I don't know, I mean, my most, uh, embarrassing kind of like public speaking time would, would probably be, um, you know, those times where like you go in and you're like, I have a plan and this is how it's going to go and this is what it's supposed to look like. And then you get there and you start and you're like, hmm, this is not working. Right. (laughs) No one's smiling back at me. So, like, my first, like, big recorded, like, my mentor came and and the the new overseer of, of the ministry came. Like, this was a big deal. This was, like, we invited people from the community to come. And I get to this point where there's supposed to be, like, this video and this song that's supposed to, like, drive the conversation home, right? And I... I cue the music and it, and it, I can hear it and I'm like, all right, so we're, we're still trucking along. And so I've got that smile, like everything's good. Right. And then I realize I'm like, why is everybody looking at me? If there's a video, <laughs> what's happening right now? And when you're like in front of everybody, you can't actually ask what's happening right now. And so I tend to try to do that sly. Like I'm just going to turn around and make sure everything's going. And I'm like, Wow. There's nothing there. This is super not awkward at all. I don't know what to do with myself while people stare at me. And this song is going that's supposed to be having like this slideshow that is supposed to be connecting all the dots for them. Nothing. Cricket. So then it ends and I'm like, and I straight up am like, well, that was awkward. And there was no real comeback after that. It was like, all right. So I, I, and I think I even ended that day, like that conversation that day, I literally was like, and that's all I have. 
And I got down and I just hung my head and I was like, I don't even know what happened. I'm, I have no idea if anybody got anything today because nothing worked and I am mortified because and I, it was supposed to be beautiful and it was supposed to be like gut wrenching and it was going to touch somebody. Right. And it felt so flat. Like I got down and there was no applause and there was no, like, it was just crickets. And I was like, I just, honestly, God, can I just go home? Like, I don't even want to shake hands or nothing. And so, um, you know, but God redeemed that too. And he, he still was able to use it. And I learned, um, never play a video with a song for longer than 30 seconds, just in case. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm sure we all have stories like that. But I think, like I said, I still the, the tenacity in you that still keeps you going. It wasn't your last time on stage. No. You, learned, you learned your lessons. You made your own boundaries for the future. <laughs> And you got back up. And I think that's even something that we have to even teach our kids with this, that you have to get back up. Dust yourself off, nurse your wounds, whatever you need to do, but you have to keep going. It's like falling off the bike. You got to keep going. Um, and so I love that component of it. What would you say is the hardest thing you've learned with being a businesswoman, now an author, a mommy, a wife, how do you find balance? Is this a thing as balance? How do you do it all? Do you do it all? And I definitely have had a lot of different seasons where things were one way at one time and, you know, another way at another time. And I think one of the most valuable pieces of advice that I got as like a young woman doing lots of things, you know, stepping out of the kind of that mold of stay at home mom, right. um, was to embrace your season and to really take, um, solid inventory of where you're at, where you're called to in that season. Like don't disregard where you're called to in that season like there was a long season where I was just at home raising my babies and you know I just showed up as a table leader because that was my calling in that season um, and there's a really intense season where we were where we were building um, the born again brand business with born again creative and running a construction business um, all at the same time, while I was running this big, thriving ministry, good at asking for help. You know, we hired a housekeeper because we could. And if I was going to invest in this place, I needed somebody else to do some of these behind the scenes things. And in the beginning, I really wrestled with that. I, was, I shouldn't be um, wasting money on a housekeeper. Um, but I developed a beautiful relationship with our housekeeper. Like she became a part of our family and, um, it was amazing to just kind of watch that transition of how we ministered to each other in that season. Um, so that each one could, could run in her lane. Like that was her season and that's where she was. And that's where I was. And God paired us up together on purpose. And it allowed me that freedom to be able to run hard and fast where, where I was supposed to be. Um, and, you know, right now that looks very different. And I mean, we're doing crazy things. It's pandemic 2020, COVID-19, whatever. Right. Like, I feel like all bets are off. Like right. uh, what, what worked in January is not what is working in March and literally have to take inventory of like every single week. And even beyond that, every single day, it's like, what 
-hmm. what's for today god what's for today and uh, and being okay like if you could see right now behind me like mm -hmm. there's clean laundry on the floor because it got washed but it right. not get put away. Right. Uh, there's right. dishes in my sink because you know right now I'm being called to focus on you know the women that I'm I'm called to lead right now and serve. And so it's, I think just really being honest about your season where you're at and and feeling okay to ask God like what's mine for right now? What do I own and what do I let go? Like one of the greatest things I will say about this strong little child of mine is he has taught me that I have to be okay with letting some things go. I like things a certain way, but it doesn't mean that those are important. It doesn't mean that my expectations that I have made are um, intended to be kept for that day or for that moment or whatever. And so learning the art of flexibility has been huge for me. That's good. And so even with that thinking of the flexibility, some people struggle really with that. So what would you say the three steps are if you are someone like ourselves, our previous selves, our current self, whatever, whatever bucket we're in today, what are the three steps to embracing flexibility? Um, I think I will always take us back to owning, owning our identity, owning who God says you are, um, and not getting fixated on tasks or things, um, that we try and put on as our identity. Mm -hmm. Um, so making sure that we're staying true to like the essence and the core of who we are and not allowing expectations to dictate, <clears throat> you know, what we ought to be doing. Um, and a lot of times I notice for myself is I am the one putting those expectations out there. Um, and so I'm, I'm, you know, what do they say? You're your own worst critic, right? Yes. Um, so, you know, I have to be intentional about staying in God's word so that I, so that my, my faith and my understanding of my identity um, doesn't get soft or doesn't get weak and, and, and I'm able to stand firm and say, no, this is, this is what we're doing. This is what I'm about. And with that comes a natural kind of flexibility because, um, God will reveal like what's important and what you can let go of. Um, and I think the second thing that I would say, um, is that our God is a God of of change and so he doesn't leave us in in one place he's always pursuing us and he's always calling us to to be different to be made new to to be changed right. and so if i'm constantly bucking the system to change i'm literally bucking what christ wants to do in and through me and that's not what I want to be about. I want to be about the Father's work. And he can't work in me if I can't practice being flexible. Like, I love, like I said, structure, routines, all that stuff. Like, those are good. And I'm not saying don't have them. Absolutely have those. But always keep in the back of your mind, like, Holy Spirit, I'm leaving room for you. Like, if you want to make an adjustment, I want to be so in tune in my relationship with you that it's comfortable and easy to to say yes i might not like it i might not want to do it but you're gonna have my yes because i know you're for me that's good that's um and then the third one for me is having a, a my core people who um encourage my flexibility Ooh. people who um genuinely love me for who I am like 
all of that spicy, bold, right. out of the box, like, you know, whoever you are, like they know those, those intimate pieces of you and, and they will encourage your flexibility. Like who's on your team? Yes. Good one. I love that. Good one. Who's on your team? So speaking of team, what are your favorite pastimes to do with your people? What do you do? Um, like my family people or like yeah, all my your family people, your family people, family and friends. What are you, what's the downtime? What are you doing? Um, so individually for myself, like, I think that's also really important, um, to have downtime with just me, um, me yeah. and Jesus. And so that's running. Running is my, my complete downtime. Like where I, there's just, it's just me and him and it's good. Um, my favorite things to do with my family. Um, I love to be outside. Um, my kids are most alive and, and I can see, uh, the purest form of who they are when we're outside, when we're hiking, when we're camping, when we're mountain biking, when we're fishing, um, that's just where the, where I see their essence pour out. And so it's one of my favorite places to be because that's you know, what I want to be about. Like, I don't want to miss those. Um, and so we spend a lot of time outside when we can. Um, moving to Washington has kind of rocked my little California kids world, right? Because there's <laughs> snow, guys, legit snow. Um, yes. They're like, what is this wet and cold stuff? I don't know yes. how I feel about it. Yes. Um, but we're, we're on the Spokane side, so we do get sunshine even on snowy days. So it's pretty good. God met us in the middle. Um, and then cooking. I love cooking and baking, and I love inviting people into that process with me. Um, I love making it for people. I love um, just that whole invitation, like come sit at my table and let me feed you. And um, so we, I guess we're foodies. We like to cook food. We like to eat food. We like to give food away. We like to invite people to come and have dinner with us. Um, so those are some of our favorite, our favorite things to do. Cool. And so I know sometimes the writing process is it necessarily the easiest? Well, number one, we're writing from a place of truth and transparency and sharing things that go on, you know, for business and um, design. We're also talking about our livelihood. We're talking about how we came into business, the ups and the woohoos, all of those things, right? And so to put that on paper is sometimes harder than we anticipated. We're already like, oh, okay, I said yes, but now I really have to do this, and what was I thinking, and all those kind of thought processes that go along with it. So what were your first thoughts when you finished your rough draft, and you were like, okay, it's done? Was it a yay stuff? Was it, oh, my God? Like, what were your thoughts that kind of just went in as you were writing and finished that rough draft? Um, yeah, so when I finished that rough draft, um, I don't know what happened. Like God gave me a brain dump. Have you ever had a brain dump where you're like, Oh my gosh, my fingers can't keep up. I don't even know if this is making sense. Like I'm just, I called, I think I was, I told you, I was like, I think I just threw up like words. I don't know what happened, but there's a whole bunch of them. And I definitely went over my limit and I literally, um, and it was in like this just weird space. Like I kept trying to create space to write what I was trying to do, like all the things they tell you to do as a writer. Right. And I, I just, 
felt like I was staring at my computer all these days. And so one day I, it was my turn to take my kid to youth group. And so I was like, I'm just going to go lock myself in the church office while the kid is at youth group and pray something happens. Like I have to turn this thing in. <laughs> and I sat down and in an hour and a half, like that's what I got. I got the brain done. And I literally remember closing my iPad and kind of looking, I was in an entire office by myself. Like this is the church office and I'm in this cubicle and I close it and I kind of look around and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what just happened. And I don't know if I should actually send that. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and I refused to let my husband see it. I was like, you can't look at it. I don't know how I feel about this. I don't even know. Like, is that actually how it happened? Like, is this actually the story? And so, um, I sat on it for a little bit and finally I was like, okay, I, you know, my husband was in on that journey with me. Like he, he's, he's watched every piece of, of this story unfold. Um, and so I finally, actually, I didn't, you guys, I didn't show it to him until, um, like just recently and it's almost done. Right. <laughs> But I had sent it to a friend and I was like, okay, so I just need you to tell me, like, is this how you remember it? Am I crazy? Does it even make sense? Like I'm reading it and I feel like this is how I remember it. Um, yeah. So there's a, just this weird mix of like, what even just happened? And is that real? Um, is that, is it good? Like, I don't know. You know, it's absolutely good. I can't wait for everyone to read it and be able to learn a little bit more. I think every woman can see a little bit of themselves in your story and what you went through. And then also, too, I, I always like to um, establish reward processes. Even you know, We talked about this a little bit earlier before going live on the podcast. I, I am guilty of rhyming, will do what I need to do for my, ch my kiddo, my husband, myself. And so I, it's not bribing in a sense, but it is. It's just that reward concept. Like, what's my motivation? It's like that Snickers commercial. What's my motivation? What am I doing this for? And the motivation obviously goes way into passes us, and we know that. But a superficial just, I need to finish so I can do five minutes of extra running. I can do whatever that little reward piece is. And I remember one of the things I had asked these ladies was, you know, how are you going to reward yourself? You're done. Woo -hoo. And you're like, I'm going to bake. So what did you end up baking? How did you do that? What did you end up baking that day? Oh, my gosh. I made the most incredible uh, overnight cinnamon rolls ever. They were nice. so worth it. <laughs> And I ate two. I ate two, and they were like the size of of your head. Like they were. It was so <laughs> that's good though. No, that's awesome. I like. I love that process. So I'm gonna let you go, but I do have one other question to ask because it's just dying and it's killing me. Because I too have had my own part of ministry. I've worked with my husband on various projects and jobs and our different businesses, then did ministry together. What is your secret sauce to working together, being home together, raising kids together, individual time, but still being together because you're man and wife? How do you guys balance, juggle that with your, what's your routine in working together, running businesses, ministries, and a household? What do you got for us in that realm? Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's a really good question. And again, I think that really changes, you know, depending on our season and, you know, 
the age of our kids and all those things. And, um, we really hit a place, um, at literally at our, on our 10 year anniversary, um, where we had kind of fallen into that slow fade. Um, we were living together, but we were not pursuing each other. And I had been desperate for it. Like I, I was calling him out. I was like, I want you. I'm jealous for you. I need you. And he was tired. Like he went to work and when he came home, he was like, well, I'm with the family. That's enough. Like, I don't, I want to be with the kids. I miss the kids. And I really felt second, second best, second, third, right. It was like working kids and maybe fourth God work kids and then a wife. Right. Um, and so we came home from our 10 year anniversary trip. We came home a day early is never good on your anniversary trip you should never come home early i'm just saying um and we came home and um i was in tears because he wanted to come home because he wanted to miss you know he missed the kids and there's it's a really long backstory to to how we came home early um but a week later we we sat down at the table and he slid me a letter and i went instantly to lady thoughts like he's asking me for a divorce he doesn't want to do this anymore i have been begging for him and now he's like i'm checked out and so i was i was livid i was like nope you don't get to divorce me we're not doing this i'm, I'm not even gonna read your letter that's how that's gonna go and so and he's like this strong-willed like we're gonna you know we don't go to bed angry like all like old school and and I'm a stonewaller I'm like nope you hurt my feelings I'm out I'm not talking about this and so we sat at that table for I don't even know how long um before what happened let's see before um I finally opened it and I was like okay I need to probably honor um where he's at and and you know, at least read this thing. Like, what do I have to lose? And so, um, I, I opened it and read it and essentially he was like, basically telling me like, this isn't what I signed up for in our marriage. I want to do better. Um, I am, I believe like that our marriage is worth it. He gives me this letter. I was like, no bro, like you're gonna have to earn it. I'm not doing this. Like I already, I already pursued you. You didn't want to pursue me back. And so, um, if you ask him, like I, I made him really, I made him work for it. Uh, I made him win me back, which I'm not recommending. That is not Jesus' heart. I'm just saying um, that that is actually what happened. Um, I never want to lie to you guys. Um, and so from that season was birthed essentially what I call like our new life. And we sat down and we did what other people thought was crazy. We stopped our lives. We stopped everything. We took the kids out of sports. I, I reduced my ministry to the bare minimum. We quit our Bible studies and started doing one together. We literally wiped the slate clean. And so it was worth fighting for. And it was worth, you know, being inconvenienced. It was worth, you know, I think sometimes we build up in our mind, like it's going to be this beautiful, perfect thing. And, and it has to be this way or it's not worth it. And it's horse crap. It does not need to be beautiful and perfect. It needs to be intentional. And we have to get back to pursuing each other on purpose. And so what that looks like today is um, two days a week, we have date night at home we call it at home date night it started out as bible study because honestly we didn't even know who the other one was anymore and bible study at least gave us questions that we didn't have to think of to ask each other ourselves because we were like i don't even know what to ask (laughs) 
you know, we had gotten so in that, that system of like, everything was about the kids and work and, and so we didn't even know how to communicate with each other anymore. Um, and so Bible study gave us kind of that somebody else did the legwork. We just had to show up and be willing. Um, and from that was birth, this transition of, um, so every right now, it looks like every Thursday night is um, a night like we feed the kids without us. Like we're big family at the table, like every single night of the week, we eat a meal together, um, except for on Thursdays and except for on Sunday night. Um, the kids eat downstairs. Yes, they eat downstairs. I know I don't like cleaning up the mess either. However, it works. And we let them have two movies if it takes, because you know what? They're not going to have their brains turn to mush on Thursday nights. <laughs> and, um, you know, on Sunday, it's a little more flexible. We have all day together on Sunday. You know, we do church and we do family. We really honor Saturday as a family. So these two days a week are ours. Like, I don't know how it is in everybody else's house. I don't know if, like, everybody is... Um, refusing to be truthful or what but like my husband and I can't get a word in edgewise when he gets home from work like it's just everybody's everywhere the kids right. miss him which I love that they miss him but like right. absolutely if we don't guard that and set aside that space and that time for our marriage like even though we work together a lot of the time and we're in each other's space like there's something about the intimacy of an intentional pursuit that is life giving and there's nothing like it. There's no substitute. And so I would say intentionally pursuing each other and being okay with like literally bucking everything to make sure you get that. I truly surrendered my husband to the Lord and was like, dude, I can't yes to these things. All I can be held accountable for is my part. And same goes for today. Like, you know, I have to, um, you know, I used to have this fairy tale princess idea. Like my husband needs to sweep me off my feet. Like he has to figure out romance. Like he has to do all these things. And then my poor husband, like I put so much pressure on that guy. Like no wonder he couldn't meet my expectations. Like they weren't truly realistic. Right. Um, and when I finally took some ownership there and was like, you know, I need to get over myself and just plan the date. Like, does it really matter who planned it? I mean, he wants to go, right? But at this time in my, in my life, I was like, why am I waiting for him to come home from work and make a plan? Like, if I invite him, he's going to be happy and he's going to come. And what that did for us, like, when I finally took that ownership, like, it inspired him to be creative and come up with new ways to, to you know, to be together to pursue each other and it kind of lights that fire in him like oh man she really is pursuing me like i want to pursue her back and so it creates this this mutuality but um i had to figure out how to own my part and be like all right there's his part and then there's god's part and i don't need to be playing in either one of those lanes <laughs> And it's like, okay, who's a little bit unrealistic? And I'm like, and I'm okay. I owe my unrealistic part of who I am. That is how I create. That is how I am who I am. But come on. <laughs> so I totally get it. But realizing that there's three parts. And the only part I yeah. have control over is my responsibility for me and what I do. And even how, what I do, but also how I react or not react. Is a big component. Yes. Any relationship. Mm -hmm. <laughs>
all those things of just realizing like fall back. And then that mirror, sometimes that mirror, even though we think we've got the mirror and we're just like this though, but to like really blatantly in your face, 3D, flaws and all, oh, okay, I'll work on me first, thanks. <laughs> it's that reminder. I love that you bring up the mirror. I spend a lot of time talking at myself yes. in the mirror, like a crazy woman. But I don't, yes. there is power. There's there power is. in the spoken word, and there is power um, yes. in the spoken word. Looking into your own eyes, into your own soul, and literally asking God, like, show me what you see. Show me yes. what you see, because I need to see her, or I need to see you, or... Um, so I hope that many of you are inspired. Yeah. Like crazy person in your mirror. <laughs> I love it. But I want to keep you. It was great talking to you. You Thank too. Bye, and we'll catch up some more soon. All right, sounds good. Now you were able to hear exactly what I was talking about. Amber is such a blessing. And if anyone can be inspired, I know you are by her. So make sure that you check out the book, check out her story, check out all the author stories, check out my publishing work. And I cannot wait to see you on the next podcast. Thank you for joining us with Live Out Loud Conversations.